Hello, welcome to Big Old Life. It's Heather Blackbird, and this is episode four. One, two, three, four. I probably don't need to be that proud of it, but I do feel pretty proud of it because I'm I'm a big stop, stop, start. What a great idea. Let's do that. Actually, no, I don't want to do that. So the fact that I've made it to four episodes is cool, and I, I feel like I'm going to keep going because I'm learning a lot. And it's really fun to talk to the people I'm talking to. And today I'm giving you an episode where I talk to Tara Soma, who is a woman working through a healing process for her body. Um, And she's doing it in a very intentional, intuitive way as it intersects and as it has to intersect with the healthcare industry which is a real tangle, tangle, mangle, as we have all probably experienced. So as she mentions, she's kind of in between two worlds uh, often and struggles with that. But she has built this incredible collaboration with her yard and the healing plants in her yard and learning about them and um, learning what they have to offer and and communicating with them and, and uh helping them grow too. So I had a great time talking to her. And today is the solstice and Tara is definitely one of the the guardians of of the earth and and is a very intentional, intuitive person that is probably out in her yard as we speak. It's a beautiful day. So, thank you. You all know what to do with podcasts. Listen as long as you like. And, uh, all right, until next time. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good test. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. Yeah. I can hear you. Great. Okay, good. Well, all right. Let's, um, let's start just in the traditional way of, um, Tell us, tell us who you are. Who, who the heck am I talking to right now? Yeah, um, Tarasoma name. And then I am currently, my main focus is I'm developing a food forest, which is a type of regenerative agriculture uh, just in my backyard here in North Portland. And um, the idea behind a food forest is that you want to mimic a natural forest. So instead of what we know as gardening, which is rows of vegetables kind of isolated and cleared out, uh, I'm actually integrating everything in together. And so a forest has multiple layers. You have tall trees, you have short trees, you have stuff that grows on the ground, you have viney things. And um, so I have just, in some places, I've just thrown a bunch of seeds in and they've done their thing and they create these little ecosystems. And um, in other places, I have the more traditional vegetables like cantaloupes and uh, I guess those are fruit, not a vegetable. Tomatoes, which are also fruit, not a vegetable. The cucumbers, those are a real vegetable. <laughs> are they a real vegetable? I don't know because the seeds are inside. I'm not sure. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, play pretty fast and loose with those. So that yeah. <laughs> they're, they're a thing that grows. Yeah. And with those, what I've done, instead of integrate, instead of um, putting them in rows, I've actually just carved out in my front yard. I have, I put in a drip system and just carved out places and I replaced my lawn with 
clover and wildflowers for the most part. And so clover sinks nitrogen into the soil, which is really good for helping plants develop. And so I just carved out a little place. And so it's like foraging instead of going out to a garden. So it's fun. It's wild. Well, making a garden that's a food forest is super interesting as someone who kind of has been raised with regular, regular gardens, you know, rows of vegetables and stuff like that. But can you talk a little bit about why? Like, why did you do this? How'd you get, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah. The why is multifaceted. Um, How I came across this is actually my friend, Lizzie, who is trained as a conservation biologist she introduced me to the idea of food forests, and it just sounded really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So part of it is ecosystem building. Um, as anyone who is awake, I'm definitely worried about climate change and the impact that we have on the climate. Uh, 25% of uh, emissions come from agriculture. Uh, transportation costs with food being grown far away and transported. There's also um, just the way that we do so quote conventional agriculture, which is really a, a, a different. A, what's the word? It's well, I can't think of this. Like, like a misnomer or something. It is, yeah, a misnomer, yeah. Um, because it's not really like conventional means like the normal way, and it's definitely right. not the way to grow things. The way right. we do things is like in the history of human kind of growing things. What we're doing now is very weird. Right. So. Um, a food forest actually sinks carbon. There's more uh, perennial plants and trees and things like that. So you're sinking carbon rather than emitting carbon. And then creating a really diverse ecosystem makes it so that the plants actually do a lot of the care for each other. So mm-hmm. things like I grow fertilizer on site, which is comfrey, which is really great plant with a deep tap root that goes down and pulls up all these nutrients. And then hummingbirds and bees love the flowers. So it brings in pollinators. And then I spread that as fertilizer. I also need to use less fertilizer because I'm putting plants in communities so that they're helping each other. Um, plants, pesticides is another thing. I don't use any pesticides, not even organic pesticides, because I plant plants that attract beneficial insects that take care of the bad insects. So if there is an infestation, you know, the quote conventional way is that you spray a bunch of stuff and get rid of it. But the regenerative way or like permaculture way is let let it sort of take its course, plant other plants are gonna bring beneficials and then it will find balance on its own. And in the quote conventional way, you would get rid of a ton of insects, but you would also get rid of the the good insects. And so you would actually the next year have a worse problem. But if you do, you know, let nature's take her course, then you have a more robust um, mm-hmm. yeah, ecosystem. And it just it takes care of itself. And I plant things that attract dragonflies because dragonflies eat mosquitoes. So it's just like working with nature and letting, letting her do a lot of the work. Mm-hmm. And then it's fun. It's so pretty and wild. And mm-hmm. I have all colors of the rainbow in my yard. And it's just, and I go out and forage you know, strawberries and greens and my mm-hmm. raspberries are coming on. And so, yeah, it's really fun. Mm-hmm. What, uh, so that why is clearly a healing the planet why, and also being in tune with the planet. How does the, how does the ground grow? Like what makes, what really works without mm-hmm. harming it? Yeah. What about for you um, as Tara? 
why do you do it? Yeah, um, for me, it's really, it's developing a deeper relationship with nature and really um, understanding. I've had a really intense healing journey, both physical, mental, emotional, I guess that's three, not both, three, three or whatever. <laughs> the Holy Trinity. Yes, the Holy Trinity. <laughs> and um, it's, for me, it's super empowering to be able to grow and make a lot of my own medicines. Dealing with the healthcare system can be a nightmare, especially with repeated, you know, it's just like always something and worried about supply chains potentially and things like that. So if I can grow my own medicine and it just feels, there's also more of an emotional connection where I will go out and just my plants were like, we've got you we're here for you so just felt that like that relationship of being nurtured and supported by them um and it's a fun I love experimenting and having the like best collaborative partnership I've ever had it's been with my yard and with nature and with all of you know I watch the fungi grow and I understand the, you know it's just like the mycelium network underneath I'm like oh, you're such a great partner <laughs> and you know trying to show up and be a good partner for her and nurture her as well as she nurtures me. Is this your first partnership, your first garden yard, your own? Yeah, it is. I grew up on a family farm, but it was different. It was not mine and I didn't have the creative control. I was, you know, go pull the weeds or <laughs> go hold the field, whatever, you know? So this is like my first real experimentation and it's been it's super fun. And there's definitely things I'm like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I planted that some things way too close together. And, you know, now that they're getting bigger, I'm kind of experimenting with that. But for the most part, it's just like, wow, that's pretty cool. And a lot of just trusting, I would say about probably about half I've planted and about half nature's planted. So things that people would call weeds are actually um, really great medicine, like plantain, dandelions, uh, American Speedwell, which is this cool little blue flower, tiny, tiny flower. So a lot of it is just like, ooh, oh, and mullein, which is um, good for the immune system, good for the lungs. And my first one started growing right during the pandemic. And I was like, oh, you're handy. <laughs> Very mm -hmm. good pandemic plant. And so, yeah, it's just trusting like what nature chooses to put here and just asking, why are you here? What's your deal? Mm -hmm. And yeah, so... Yeah, it's been a fun. Yeah. How did you, um, I mean, I know that you've probably always been drawn to just based on how you grew up and your connection to plants and also your name and, you know, your, your whole life philosophy, but this particular garden is in tune with your own healing process that you're going through right now. Um, do you want to talk about that at all? How it, how it started and kind of where you're at yeah so the um the garden started it actually was sort of like a, a waiting so my plan for the garden was to build a cob house I got a big enough yard that I could build a cob house which is this earthen home which is like quiet and peaceful and just you know like peaceful and quiet is something that I crave a lot and so um I had this big space and then planted everything because I was just waiting, you know, like saving up money to build the cop house and stuff like that. Um, and then the timing ended up being really interesting because I was diagnosed. Well, my health has been for like 
a decade sort of declining despite doing all the things, you know, like of eat pretty well, a decent, got a decent amount of exercise, did yoga and meditation, worked with a therapist. So like doing all the things and my health just kept declining, which is really frustrating to have. And um, so like a decade ago, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition and then uh, 2021, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And like, and then from that, it's like this whole cascade of other bacterial infections that are co-infections with Lyme disease, which makes for a much more interesting experience. And then um, uh, like complex uh, Epstein-Barr virus. It's just like viral, bacterial, a bunch of toxic exposures, lead, um, which I think, you know, just living in Portland with our water, um, you know, someplace I lived, I probably just picked that up. And so, um, you know, of course I've tested my soil for lead, I've tested my water for lead, so just, you know, learn to test everything. Um, but it's been, so since 2021, I've been like, my full-time job has been recovering. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that as in, that's my primary focus. And also it is a full-time job, like the effort of doing everything that I'm doing and everything from using an infrared sauna to taking, like, it takes me an hour a day just to take pills. It's, it's like this insane, mm -hmm. and then like dealing with the healthcare system. So um, for that, one thing that's been really interesting is that, um, and so I'm working with a functional medicine naturopath, and then I also have an herbalist friend that I work with quite a bit. And she, um, her, there's, her approach to herbalism really resonates with me because it's about a relationship with the plants. It's not looking at them as um, purely medicines. It's really looking at them as healing beings. And so being able to work with them as healing beings has been something that I've learned from her and like how to connect with and communicate with the plants and learn from them as well. Mm -hmm. The one experience that I had is I developed a second autoimmune condition and um, it's really painful skin condition where I just like wanted to just scratch my skin off, like so painful. Mm -hmm. And what the conventional, which again, you know, conventional medicine isn't really the conventional approach, but um, the approach is just a steroid cream, which has a, a number of issues um, in terms of long-term effects. And it can actually create, um, eventually can lead to cancer. And so there's, you know, other things along the way. So it's like, I'm just not really comfortable using that long-term. And it was um, in the winter time when, uh, I got this diagnosis and my herbalist friend was, um, and her approach is she uses her herbal knowledge that she's developed over years, but she also is very intuitive. And so she just like, you know, tunes into what's going on. And she recommended I work with comfrey um, or calendula and violet. And my calendula that winter had stayed blooming all winter. I have comfrey, which is what I use for fertilizer. And then the day after I met with her, I was out in my yard and I'd seen these little heart-shaped leaves developing. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I you know, don't know who they are. And then next day I was outside and there was a violet flower on one of them. I'm like, oh, you're violet. <laughs> and all of the things that I needed were in my yard. Mm. And so I just, you know, it was really cool to be able to go out and just harvest from my own yard, make my own um, 
uh, coconut oil cream. And that took all of the itching and burning away. And it's just, and that feels really empowering to something that the safety profile of herbal medicines is way, way better. It's like the safety profile of an apple compared to pharmaceuticals, which can have just crazy, crazy mm -hmm. impacts. So that just felt really nurturing too, to have these beans growing in my yard here to support me. And I've had other things like that, like the mullein growing during the pandemic. And then there's have a sort of complicated relationship with this plant, which is cleavers, sticky weed. They're mm -hmm. like, if you walk by, they'll stick to you. And oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. Okay. And I have a bunch of them growing in my yard right now. And so I was like, I'm just going to see what they're good for. And they're actually really good, really anti-inflammatory. And I have oh, a ton wow. of inflammation from the lime, you know, detox process. I don't love you. And I don't love that you get your burrs and my cat's fur as part of your reproductive process. So I'm brushing those out, but there's a lot of you when I need you. So mm -hmm. that's been kind of a cool. Like at what point in your healing process did you find that it, something clicked and, and something changed for you as you, and I know that you've also been writing a book and like yeah. I'm just curious about the because you're you're definitely on this clear healing journey like you said it's your focus it's your work it's what you're doing and it's become also something that you can see for how other people could engage with healing in a different way yeah. so what are what are some of the the peaks or or and some of the valleys even in this process for you yeah, I think part of the thing that's made it really interesting is that before I took medical leave for this healing journey, I was working in healthcare in um, strategy innovation, designing consumer centric offerings. Mm -hmm. So partly that mindset has been what's driving this. And it's been definitely a double edged sword because it helps me think through how could this be applicable to other people? But there's also this edge of like coming up against customer experiences where it's just like, what, the, how is this possibly happening? And so it just, it's astounding. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so there's that extra level of frustration where I think if I had not been doing the work that I was doing, I maybe wouldn't be as upset about it. It'd be like, all right, I'm just doing the thing, but right. then it could be better. Yeah. So that's sort of the frame that I brought into this. And um, yeah, I mean, peaks and valleys, it's definitely one thing that's, that's it. so I'm working with one of the groups that I'm working with is Parsley Health, which is really great. I highly recommend for anyone who has complex health issues that they're just not getting answers. Mm -hmm. um, and their, their program has, you work with a functional medicine doctor. And so functional medicine is, um, it's an approach to medicine that instead of saying what's happening, they want to know why it's happening. So yeah. like an autoimmune condition, like, oh, you have an autoimmune condition. Here's what you do. They, their approach is um, why do you have an autoimmune condition? Is there an underlying infection that maybe the immune system is actually just attacking that infection? If we can clear that, then maybe we can clear the autoimmune condition. Yeah. Um, are there, you know, do you have toxic overload? Do you have uh, a metabolic imbalance. And then um, metabolic imbalance is a whole other, <laughs> like so much of our food. Part of the reason regenerative agriculture is great is because 
So much of illness in our culture right now is related to metabolic imbalances because our food is processed and it's transported and there's not a lot of nutrients and all of that. Functional medicine. So functional medicine really wants to look at the why and then treating the why then you're able to, and it's very personalized instead of like, you know, here's your autoimmune condition. You take this for the rest of your life. They're like, actually, yeah, we're going to yeah. look at you individually and understand all of your environmental stresses and psychological stresses and all of that. So functional medicine, I just, um, I'm a huge fan of, and so recommend that anyone who's dealing with complex health issues really find a functional medicine practitioner. And in Oregon, they're covered by insurance and in some places they're not. So yeah. that definitely, that's a whole access issue that definitely needs to be resolved. But Parsley Health, um, their approach, um, I also have a health coach. And so the health coach helps with behavior change, helps with, because um, a lot of dealing with chronic issues is behavior change. And, and that's really, really hard. And your typical MD with the 10, 15 minute appointment doesn't have the time or really the skills to help with that. Mm -hmm. So having this health coach partnership is really great. Um, and my health coach was, you know, it was just like, I've, there are times where I feel like I've made progress and then times where I just feel like, am I going backwards? And so yeah. it's really, and I knew, you know, it's knowing this mentally, but living through it is still challenging. So knowing this mentally is, you know, healing from complex health issues is not input equals output. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not a linear progression. So it's, it's definitely just like living in a lot of uncertainty and feeling like you're going backwards sometimes, but that's still going forward. And so, and as someone who, when I was working in my regular job was a very high performer. And so doing, you know, it was like, I did a thing, you know, input equals output was a really strong thing, even really, really challenging things. I used to work in organizational development and did a lot of complex, really messy conflict resolution and, you know, things where people would be like, that's just unsolvable. I was like, maybe for you. <laughs> right. Watch this happen. Yeah, exactly. So I'm accustomed to like input equaling output. So it's been uh, pretty humbling to not have mm -hmm. input equal output mm -hmm. and to sometimes feel like no matter what I do, it's going backwards and then make a change and then things actually do shift. So, so mm -hmm. the peaks and valleys have been the biggest peaks have been things like um, I've been treating Epstein-Barr virus recently, and that's been, and that is actually, so I'm using a pharmaceutical for, you know, an antiviral, and that has been actually really great. And so wow. there's definitely a place for, you know, the whole complexity of that. And so it's actually been, um, I used to have several weeks of migraines and just like misery feeling like death, like on death's door. And then now I still don't feel great, but I don't have those several weeks of migraines. And so that's been really nice to clear out. So that's definitely been a peak. Um, another peak has been, I've had a lot of neck pain. That's definitely gone down quite a bit. And that's been primarily infrared saunas when I started seeing that shift. And mm. so that's been really good. Um, valleys have really primarily been dealing with the healthcare system. Yeah. It's just the insanity of having to every month or a couple of months prove that I'm disabled, that I still need to have an income to be disabled. And, you know, there are times where I don't get out of my pajamas until I take a shower to get ready for bed. You know, it's just like, what is that? 
how has that shifted how you see yourself your I guess identity how do you play with that now yeah that's it's a good question I'm still sort of in that um it's I definitely see myself as someone on a healing journey and that is a really deep uh, point of identity for me is on a healing journey um it's made me much more conscientious of other people's disabilities even just food sensitivities before I had food sensitivities I didn't really get how big of a deal they were but having them now when people are like oh I don't do well with blood I'm like all right good respect that you know mm-hmm. we'll honor that um so it's definitely made me much more aware of other people's things I still struggle with the like identity as a disabled person mm-hmm. and um and I yeah. just like I definitely feel like I live in between worlds so much so there's like able disabled um the medical spectrum of natural medicine to allopathic chemical you know <laughs> conventional medicine um uh yeah a creative a highly sensitive person in a world that's not really designed for highly sensitive people so there's yeah there's definitely this sort of like living in, in between worlds a lot what about immunity and, and having a you know having your something in your body is working against you yeah and yeah what's the relationship with that Yeah, that's been something that's been a really interesting exploration. And it ties into uh, complex PTSD as well. So there is that idea of what's supposed to protect me is harming me. Mm -hmm. And how is that? And how do I live with that? And I've had different sort of transitions over time with it. And I've had a decade to sort of be with it more than a decade, I guess, to really be with it. Um, and it's, it's something that, and I do have a lot of like conversations with body parts, like what's your deal, what's going on, how can I support you? And it's what I've kind of come to more recently. And part of that is through working with functional medicine practitioners is understanding the underlying causes of autoimmunity. So really being able to come to terms with, it's not really that my immune system is harming me, it's that my immune system is just an overachiever. Right. <laughs> and if I had gotten a diagnosis early enough, probably could have cleared the autoimmune condition. It's mm-hmm. at this point, I, it's probably too established to really be able to clear it. Although we're making some progress in that too, um, that my autoimmune numbers have actually come down quite a bit. Um, but uh so the idea is like the immune system was just trying to treat, trying to get rid of infections and other things just kind of got caught in the way. Um, and as we're talking, I'm actually feeling sort of the sense of like my own drive to achieve sort of like go getter mm-hmm. that uh, <laughs> that's kind of like a reflection is like chill out uh-huh you don't need to do as much uh-huh you don't. like just as far as the as as talk in terms of what you're doing in the moment talking about your journey that yeah. feeling really like and then I did that and then I and then I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna accomplish yeah yeah uh-huh. I'm going to accomplish and I'm like 
and you know the there's what my doctors recommend there's what I take on myself there's you know like constantly reading and I've had this just sort of awareness like I'm doing way too much I'm really what I really need to do right now is rest Mm -hmm. and um so yeah so like I'm just seeing that parallel of my overactive immune system just being a reflection of my overactive self like I will do it all right right (laughs) wow and you learned this you learned about these plans as in 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 parallel with your process of healing your body like you just started planting your garden you your system needed a lot of attention your life changed and you really just started focusing in on this space and your garden and how does it relate to your healing process and in that process you started writing and learning about regenerative agriculture would you say yeah yeah it definitely has all been together happening all together and it's really been like just searching for different plants Mm -hmm. and what plants would be useful uh, checking in with my herbalist friend, checking in with my naturopath and getting, and then just kind of like exploring, trusting yeah. what she's up, exploring. And so figuring out what plants. Um, I did take a course with um, Oregon State University, a permaculture food forest mm-hmm. course. Um, and so that was helpful in just deepening my knowledge. A lot of it I've just learned online. There's a group that I often go to for um, just good plant information, healing plants, which is botanicalinstitute.org. They're really great for just, you know, what's an herb that's good for blah, blah, blah. So I do that. Um, Healthline also has um, decent information. One thing that I'll say about herbs too, a lot of like, if you look up herbal medicines, their the language is like, it may help with blah, blah, blah it you know but more research is needed and then the research studies that i've read say this herb has been used for centuries <laughs> or millennia across multiple cultures in the same way <laughs> and we're going to test and see if it works like do i mean you sort yeah. of said that you know and then often there's some herbs that actually like hawthorn in early stages of heart disease is actually more effective than the pharmaceutical and later stages the pharmaceutical is more effective Ginger is on par with migraine medicine. So there's, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really effective herbs and they've just kind of been sidelined. I don't have necessarily people that I, I mean, it's just kind of been in the air. Mm -hmm. Just my herbalist friend, I've learned a lot from her, just the process of learning from plants and observing them and communicating with them. So yeah, it's just a lot of like searching And I do try and look more for um, sources that do honor the indigenous perspective as much as possible, because I think that there's, uh, I just read a book on Irish indigenous medicine that was really cool. Um, And one of the things that she talked about is like taking, taking herbs out of their spiritual context. So just saying like, these herbs are good for X, Y, Z as pharmaceuticals miss kind of misses the point because it was in a culture of ritual and spiritual context in which they were used and worked with so I do yeah I think that that's something that's really interesting and something that we can really cultivate as well as that spiritual relationship with the plants yeah yeah 
I'm tempted to not say this next thing, but I have to, but which is how um, commodification of indigenous and spiritual relationships with plants has also been really popular right now. Yeah. So like a lavender um, scented spray Febreze or some kind of brand that, you know, you spray in your bathroom or you spray on your everything you clean. And it's this like, it smells like poison, right? <laughs> like put a hippie lady near that shit. And we're just like, oh, what is that? It's like, it's lavender. It's like, no, that's not lavender. Yeah. But it's this it's this way that the herb itself, I like, I don't know. It's wild. Yeah. Like Walmart's making a play for lavender and calendula and all kinds of herbs. Yeah. But the, the product is so weird. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. It's really, it's a weird. And I think of that with healthcare a lot yeah. in terms of the, the gaps created by the healthcare system not really acknowledging herbs as medicine in a lot of ways. And it, it's here, there are definitely countries in Europe where you go to your apothecary and they'll do yeah. herbal preparation, you know, as much as they would do a pharmaceutical. Mm -hmm. And, but I think that gap creates the opportunity for a lot of charlatans to come in. So there's like, conventional medicine on one side and on the other side is really deeply rooted indigenous medicine and then in the middle there's this like charlatan make a ton of money off of stuff that's not really good quality but yeah yeah it's like yeah I mean the Febreze is such a great example because it's just toxic chemicals with a like I know dose of essential oil on the top you're like that's not really <laughs> right now if you were gonna I I, I love to get uh, people to just say like what's what's your life advice what where are you at what's your what philosophy or what um you could call it a blessing you could call it a philosophy you call it advice whatever resonates with something that you could say to other people about something that might inspire them or help them or or just where are you at like what's your tagline right now <laughs> We find a million ways to ask that question. <laughs> yeah, I would say probably the main thing is I would just encourage people to notice the world around them. Notice the natural world around them. Just get to know the plants growing in your neighborhood. If you have land that you nurture and care for, notice what shows up that you didn't necessarily want and maybe give it a place. If you're taking a walk around your neighborhood, notice what plants are growing and just the things that we call weeds, learn about them. Dandelion is so great for so many things. And uh, so just tune in and get to know them, understand what they're about. And um, yeah, I think that's it. Nature is just so extraordinarily generous and beautiful. And she has these incredible co-evolved partnerships that you know, fungi came to the planet, they created the opportunity for plants to be able to grow out of rocks essentially, because the fungi broke it down and made soil. Um, plants made it possible for animals to exist, which made it possible for us to exist. And so there's just this, our life is supported, you know, and the bacteria mentioned, so our life is supported by all of these cool things in nature that a lot of times we're not even aware of. So just notice what she's up to, give her, 
an appreciation and thanks and yeah sit with her for a bit mm -hmm. yeah that's really good that's really good thank you Tara thank you so much okay I'm going to yeah, thank you I, I mean I'll probably mostly just try to carve my rambles off <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I felt like I like I'm usually don't talk tons, but I just felt like I was like blah 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 blah. No, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I was riveted. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. More you. soon. <laughs>